0: There's another way that it doesn't have to be the way that everybody tells you it has to be and you can leave whatever footprint you want on this earth anything that we're fearful of is something that we really really deeply desire to do we have to have the willingness to recognize that something that we're doing may not be working
1: Welcome to the Boss Bay Podcast, a place where we share with you the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance, and learning how to balance it all. I'm Natalie Ellis, CEO and co-founder of Boss Babe and your host for today's episode. So in this episode, I'm interviewing my friend Tara Mackey. Tara is the founder and CEO of The Organic Life, a successful, holistic and sustainable living platform and is widely recognized activist with a tribe of over 1 million followers on her blog and social. She also founded the organic skincare company Genetics and is the number one best-selling author of Cured by Nature and Wild Habits. So in this episode, Tara is so open about her story and what it really looked like behind the scenes of becoming a successful serial entrepreneur author and blogger i know this episode is going to give you a huge dose of motivation and you're going to learn a lot about what it really takes to achieve massive goals before we dive into this episode though i just want to check in with you so if you haven't noticed yet we went from publishing one episode a week to three and i want to know do you love it do you want more or less episodes are you enjoying the episodes with the team i just want to make sure that the content we're putting out there feels really aligned and is helpful for you so Just let me know what you want to see more or less of. You can give me all your feedback, be as blunt as you like and just DM me anytime at IamNatalie on Instagram. This episode is brought to you by the Boss Babe Insta Growth Accelerator, a 12-week program designed to help you grow and monetize your Instagram account. If you're ready to grow your audience with your absolute ideal clients who are throwing their credit cards at you, then listen up. I've created a completely free 90-minute training to show you how to do exactly that. I'm taking you through the step-by-step strategy to attracting 10,000 ideal clients as followers over the next 30 days. If you know that growing your audience with ideal clients who can't wait to buy from you would completely change the game, then this training is for you. As I said, it's totally free. I just recommend turning up with a journal and getting rid of all distractions as we waste no time getting into the nitty gritty specifics. You know that I love specifics. To get started with the training, just head to bossbib.com forward slash IG dash growth or hit the link in the show notes below. A boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise, keep going, and fighting on. She is on a mission to be her best self in all areas. It's just believing in yourself. Confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own vision of success. Welcome Tara to the Boss Babe podcast. I am so excited for this. Thank you so much for having me. I am stoked. It's going to be great. It's always like the best excuse just to have a great conversation. So I know. I know. would love to dive in and just have you tell your story. You have such an incredible story. So just start from the beginning.
0: I was born on cocaine. My mother did cocaine and drank and smoked cigarettes her whole entire pregnancy with me. My biological father was her drug dealer at the time. And by the time I was five, my mother had gotten into doing heroin. By the time I was six, she had overdosed in front of me and my grandparents got custody of me. I testified against her in court at seven years old and she relapsed in front of me again when I was 12. And that same year, I got put on my first pharmaceutical medication. Mm. Each year after that, a pharmaceutical medication, at least one was added. And so by the time I was 24, I was on 14 different pharmaceutical drugs. That was the year that I decided to come off of them cold turkey, mostly because I got to a place where... My best friend had just taken her own life. I had just tried to take my own life. I was in an abusive relationship. I had nothing but toxic friendships. I had a job that I hated. And I realized that all of these feelings had originated when I got put on drugs. It was it was sort of daily disempowerment. Every single time I took a drug, I was reinforcing to my body that I felt that I needed that drug. And that I felt that something was wrong with me. And I felt that I couldn't function without them. It was reinforcing a belief And I don't recommend that people come off their drugs cold turkey, quite the opposite. But this is just my journey. When I decided, when I made that decision to come off, it was really about self-preservation, about recognizing that my future looks two different ways. There's a future where I'm on drugs still. And honestly, when I'm honest with myself, I can't see making it past 25 or maybe 30 And there's a future where I'm off drugs and I get to accomplish all of my dreams. And both of those are scary, but one of them is way more inspiring and satisfactory. And so my intention when I first came off all my pharmaceuticals was not to do so long-term. Actually, it was just to kind of see what I felt I needed and what I felt I didn't need. But after a very short period of time, I started to find natural alternatives to all the pharmaceutical drugs I had taken in the past. So for pain, for depression, for anxiety, for ADD, for inflammation, for my skin, for my hair, and realized that there is not a world in which I would ever go back to something that doesn't work when I found something that does. Mm. And that really is the start of my journey and the reason behind my mission being so heavily focused on giving people alternative options to their life.
1: I love that. And so you are put on your first pharmaceutical when you were how old? 14?
0: 12.
1: Okay. And what was that for?
0: That drug was lithium. So I had watched my mom overdose as a six-year-old child and I had watched my mom relapse in front of me when I was 12. And when that relapse happened, I was the one that witnessed it. I was the one that found the drugs and alcohol. I was the one that had to tell my family. And I had been going to therapy all these years, but the therapist at that point suggested I see a psychiatrist and a child psychiatrist. And a child psychiatrist's job is to put children on medication. And so he looked at my family history what I had been through and put me on a mood stabilizer based on the fact that there was a history of mental illness in my family. And basically those were the kind of drugs the rest, anyone else in my family who took drugs was on as sort of a precursor to try to help. Before it started.
1: Mm, So almost I'm assuming because your family were in that direction, you were going to be too. And you just got that label put on you.
0: That was the assumption is that because of what I'd seen, because of what I'd experienced, how could she not be depressed? Mm. Like who would blame her really? And when she figures out that she's depressed, this will help. So it was sort of like a prereq, you know, just like, let's try this before it even starts and see what happens.
1: Yeah, I feel you. And I definitely encountered something similar, not the drug side, but I, my mum was in a really abusive relationship. And I remember finding her numerous times when she tried to commit suicide and I was also Mm -hmm. the same kind of age as you. And and then I went to live with my grandparents. So I definitely feel you on that. And and it almost feels sometimes when you're that age that the odds are just stacking against you. And did you feel when you moved in with your grandparents that you got this kind of new lease of life and freedom or was it still this battle? Were you still seeing your mom? I wanted to
0: desperately. I remember throwing tantrums about wanting to see her and keep in mind, you know, she's in the hospital, then she's at rehab you know and she would go away places so when i was very young because it was just me and her like i was a very quiet very introverted very precocious child who just liked to sit in a corner and read my own book like i wasn't very social and it was just me and my mom I was around her all day long a huge part of the reason my grandparents got custody of me is because i missed so many days of first grade i think i missed almost 30 days of first grade and the only reason i passed is because i would just like do i would read all the books and stuff at home but that was all due to the fact that she was hungover and wouldn't take me to school you know like it, it so many things were stacked up against me and i see it now when i go down to mexico and and we work with orphans like you just see that like okay, they didn't get to go to school because they need to wear uniforms and their parents can't afford the uniforms. And it's like, it's this cycle of poverty that when you're born into a specific situation, it's very, very hard to feel like there's going to be any sort of relief. So even when I lived with my grandparents, you know, they had sort of been my babysitters anytime my mother had not been around. And so it wasn't like a very drastically different situation from what I was normally used to. And I didn't feel any, I mean, I felt safer than over time than the chaos I was used to seeing with my mother, but that takes a while to sink in that someone is providing you a better life. So I definitely for a long time did not see it that way. I think I was very bitter and angry as a kid. And I think my grandparents even were, you know, they're in their fifties and they don't want to be raising a seven-year-old child. And I think we butted heads for a long time because of that, to be honest.
1: Yeah. And I guess you didn't know any different.
0: No, I didn't see the gift in it. There was no possible way. And the only way they even got custody of me is because of very quick thinking. When my mother overdosed, my grandfather got there first. I was taught to call them before I called 911 for just this reason, because he got there first. He called the cops, took me in the car, parked the car around the side of the block and said, like don't talk to anyone, don't move, keep your head down, don't say anything. Even if anyone comes up to the car, don't unlock the door and, you know, ran back inside. And that was all so that when the cops came and said, you know, where's her daughter? He could say, Oh, she was with me the whole time. Otherwise I would have gone straight to foster care. And they knew that. So the only way that this whole thing happened was sort of like based on a lie, Mm -hmm. right? And then I'm taught, go to court, testify against your mom, but leave out this one part where you were there to witness it. So I'm kind of like taught that lying gets you out of situations very, very early on in life. And so like these things really build up and build up when you're just born in a different situation than everyone else around you.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you don't know any different when that's your upbringing. You assume everyone's home life is like that. You don't assume that there's something else going on, right?
0: Totally normal. I mean, it's and it normally is because you grow up in neighborhoods where your neighbors are all sort of in the same situations too. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood where anyone around me was married. Like They were all divorced or had never been married too. And they all had kids and were struggling to pay the rent and they had drug and alcohol problems because that's what poverty is. You just end up in the same neighborhood as everyone in the same financial situation as you.
1: Yeah. So what happened when you moved in with your grandparents and your mom was relapsing when you were 12 and you started getting put on these medications? What was high school like for you?
0: Oh my God. High school.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I went to an all girls
0: Catholic high school where really all anybody cared about is, was how much money your parents had. Right? So it was hard like i used to skip lunches and go read books in you know the music room when nobody was in there and stuff and but honestly looking back on it it was wonderful to build character for me because it was there was never a moment where i really wanted to be like other people and i think that's really really helped in my journey and why i've been able to be so self motivated is because i didn't look around me and go Gosh, I wish I was more like these people. I looked around me and said, why don't these people want to have a, like a deeper conversation? Mm-hmm. Why can't I just find people who are on the same page as me, not me trying to fit in with everyone else? And I think that's been really, really valuable for the rest of my life. So while it was lonely, I honestly, when I look back on it, think about it as a really big gift that again, I didn't recognize at the time.
1: Yeah. And so what happened after high school? What did you do? I went to Bennington College
0: I studied psychology, but the college is wonderful and the fact that it doesn't have any prerequisites and you don't have to take tests and there's no grades and it's like the hippie Harvard. (laughs) Like it's they're very strict. Like if you miss more than two classes, you're out. Like they need you to show up and be fully present, but they really do build entrepreneurs in that if you and I and two other people wanted to go start a class of our own and we actually showed up and sat down and had a discussion every week, like they'd give us credit for those classes. So it was a great place where I got to explore what I wanted to do while also concentrating on getting a real job as I thought about it at the time when I got out. Because the only reason I was even allowed to go to college was scholarships, right? So I'm like, I need to graduate and have like skills, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like workable skills. I don't want to major in like, throwing my body up against the wall with pain on it. Like that's great for, <laughs> for the kids who want to do that, but that's not my jam. So I majored in psych. And after two years, I had gone to like five of my 500 other students in the whole school's funerals because of suicides, car accident, some accident where some girl fell out of a window during a dance class. And I was like, I don't think I can go back. Like I really don't, like, I felt like, bad luck was just following me Mm. everywhere. And I didn't feel like I could go back. So I started to go to school in New York and I went to Pace and then I went to Hunter. And when I was at Hunter, I was really close to Cornell, real Cornell Medical College uptown. And I went in there and applied for a job one day and I took a bunch of aptitude tests and I got a job in their fertility clinic. And I started working and I was like, looks like all I have to do is take some aptitude tests in this field and maybe don't really need a degree. (laughs) So I dropped out of school and started working in the science fields for the next uh, two or three years.
1: And is that where you started to get the idea to come off of prescription drugs when you were seeing things happening in the health field or was it something different?
0: Oh, you know, what's really funny is my time in the health field and working at hospitals and everything was really just this, it put a big spotlight on the fact that just because we were in the health industry, people were not healthy. You know, I'd see doctors who smoked all day long and like psychiatrists who were really stressed out or on medication themselves or, you know, had really tumultuous personal lives. And I was just like, wait a minute. I mean, none of this like And I realized too, because when I switched schools, I started majoring in genetics. So I had that little bit of bio background and I was like, wait, nobody's ever taught me about nutrition. Like no one's ever taught me about self-love. No one's ever taught me about what to do when I have a really long day because I have to get on a train at 5 a.m. And I don't get back home till 8 p.m. Like no one's ever taught me how I'm actually supposed to keep myself sane in an environment where Other people rely on me for their health all day long. And that was the first time I started to realize that there must be a miseducation involved in pre-med and medicine and even psychology and psychiatry because it, it didn't encompass the whole picture. There was something missing. And that was the first time I got an inkling of that. But it wasn't what inspired me to come off my drugs. Honestly, what inspired me was the realization that they'd never worked. And that was terrifying. I think that was something that I had been stuffing down for such a long time because I was like, whoa, you know, if these 14 drugs don't work for my pain and my anxiety and my depression, when someone's told me that something's wrong with me, like, what's going to work? You know, it really scared me to think that fentanyl wasn't working for my pain and Lamictal wasn't working for my moods and Xanax wasn't working for my anxiety. Like, something really wrong with me then, you know? So I think having that realization and then implementing that realization into my daily life was a revelation.
1: And so how did you start to learn about this kind of stuff? What did that journey look like for you?
0: Once I came off the drugs, I really started to see the world a little bit differently due to the effects of withdrawal and things like that and just not being on them and not giving into the habit of, opening up a bottle every time I have an uncomfortable feeling. The next step was actually reading the books that had been on my shelf the whole entire time. So I had carried books around me about natural healing, about plant medicine, about meditation for years, and I just never read them. Once I came off my drugs, I finally started to see things for what they were and books literally fell off the shelf. Like I'd be rearranging a bookshelf and I remember this book on natural healing just fell to the ground and I picked it up and it was open to a page on turmeric and turmeric was the first thing then that I, once I read about it, I was like, this sounds like an alternative to all the pain medication and anti-inflammatories I've been taking. So I bought some. And I started taking it that week and I realized within a few days that it actually worked. And so then I went back to the book and I read some more and I was reading things that were in my cabinets already that were already in my fridge that I had in my fruit bowl, you know, and knowing that I could make a tea out of ginger and it actually tasted good, ginger and cacao and cayenne. And I could put these things together and some turmeric in there. And if I drank that, I would actually feel the things I was waiting and hoping to feel for so long, taking pharmaceutical drugs. I just kept getting more and more interested, reading more and more books and applying more and more biohacks to my life because it felt like, I had this miracle answer that I was so confused why no one had ever told me about before. Like all the doctors I'd been to, all the waiting rooms I'd sat in, all the different insurances, and the time spent trying to find the answers to these things. And like the smartest doctors in the world that are working at the best hospitals never said, Hey, did you ever try drinking turmeric? Mm. Maybe that'll help. And it was like a revelation of what else is out there? What else is there? What else can I try? And doing these self-experimentations and just feeling better and better every day.
1: Yeah, I love that. And so fast forward, you hopped in a car and drove to California and you've ended up becoming an entrepreneur, a number one best-selling author. How did that happen? Oh
0: God, I love this journey. Like it was really... First of all, I have to really give it up to when I was in New York, trusting the universe, trusting plans, trusting myself when I let go of toxic friends, toxic people in my life, and embracing the people who really were there for me 100%, no matter what I said I was going to do. You know, I thought. It was crazy to come off my drugs because my doctors had told me for a long time, coming off your drugs is a symptom of your illness. And so to hear somebody say, it's a brave thing you're doing. It's a smart thing you're doing. It's a healthy thing you're doing. Having those people in my life and leaving room for them to show up really was the catalyst for that journey out to California. So yeah, I got in my car with $300 to my name and I drove out to California and I started living... My dream. And it's been years and years of hard work. But the first thing I did was line up some jobs, like catering jobs, modeling jobs, like voiceover jobs when I first got to LA because I didn't know anybody. And I just wanted to make sure I was going to have a little bit of money for the first few months. And I did things like that for years, just odd jobs every single month. And slowly built my companies by doing things for free. For doing, I wrote on my blog for years and years and years before anybody paid me to write something. And that all paid off because my publishing company found my blog in 2014 and came to me and asked me to write my first book. And without all of those years I put in doing, Every single article and every single thing before that for free, really for my own therapy at the end of the day. I mean, I loved doing it. It never would have happened. And so I honestly don't feel like there's any such thing as an overnight success. Like, you look into anybody's story who's successful, and all successful people have in common is discipline. And the reason that that's what they have in common is because nothing happens overnight. Like, I put in so much work for the years leading up to that book deal proposal that. I don't want to leave out of any story. I want people to know that the work you're putting in right now will always pay off in the future, no matter what it is. So I played the House of Blues when I first moved to LA. I worked jobs doing background for movies and music videos, like literally anything that I could get. And it was this really beautiful journey where for once I got to kind of wake up in the morning and do the day my way and focus on my health because I really needed to because the withdrawals from the medication lasted for three years and there's no way I could have held down a normal job. So it forced me to be able to make it work for me and that's been a really great foundation for my entrepreneurship for the last few years.
1: So can you talk a little bit about where you are now?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because I just heard about the nine or 12 different classifications and what your balance in your life between friendships and career and spirituality and how you are emotionally and your hobbies and your travel. And I, I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm able to balance all of those things. Like I have love and I have great friends and I have the ability to travel and I have the ability to create businesses and give back and do things that are for the greater good and do things that all revolve around my mission and create music and write songs that remind people how powerful they are and have people every single day in some way, shape or form, send me a message that says what you've created has changed my life. And to know that Everything I've been through has been for that so that people know that there's another way, that it doesn't have to be the way that everybody tells you it has to be. And you can leave whatever footprint you want on this earth. I think that's the greatest mission of all.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I mean, you're such a testament to that. You've got over a million followers on your blog and on your social. You've got an amazing, successful company. You've got two books and you've really embodied that mission and pushed it forward. And I think that journey is just so inspiring. And I feel like the people listening are just so inspired and ready to just implement even more discipline because I'm fully in agreement with you. I think discipline Mm -hmm. is everything because there's always going to be a distraction at every corner. There's always going to be a reason why you shouldn't. And it's really on us to give the reason why we should. So can you talk a little bit about what your company does?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my company, The Organic Life, is a lifestyle company that embodies a few things that I do, one being my music career and my blogging, and then my company Genetics, which is an organic beauty company that focuses on organic enhancement. Our top seller is a breast enhancement oil. It also works on butts and lips. And to me, it's really a wonderful... Example of changing the paradigm and giving people an alternative that honestly, before I invented it, did not know existed. And so now knowing that it doesn't just work for me, it works for so many thousands of people who've bought it and sent us wonderful testimonials. It's really a testament to following your heart and your dreams in a way that I think is uncomfortable for a lot of people. Like, I feel like a lot of people would be held back by even just the category of like, do I want to be the CEO of a company that does this? You want to be the CEO of a company that does whatever pushes the world forward. Mm. And as long as I'm doing something that really, really gives people a completely natural, completely organic alternative to something that otherwise may have extreme complications on their health, I'm doing everything I can.
1: And how do you balance being so multi-passionate? Because, as you mentioned, you've got your blog, you've got an amazing singing career, you've got a product based business. None of those things are easy in and of themselves. So, how do you balance being multi passionate?
0: That's a really good question. I remember when I was very young, my neighbor telling me, you know, Tara, you have to pick something. Like, you can't do everything. Like, when you get to college, you're going to have to pick something. Then, of course, I went to a college where you didn't have to pick something. So, I gave myself a few more years. And I want to say I don't know if I've ever quote unquote really picked something that I've been doing 100% of the time. And so my word of the year is balance because there's a difference between where I was at before, which is working up to this point where I'm at now, where these are all now full-fledged careers that I want to give 100% of my attention to all the time. And so I will say what's really helped is diving more into my spirituality and diving more into my organizational skills. So every single day I meditate and free write in the morning and every single day I make a to-do list, even if it's literally exactly the same as the to-do list the day before, and I check things off of it. That viscerally for me really helps. I'm also a type A Virgo, so that really helps. <laughs> but I think it really helps anyone's sense of accomplishment. And also it helps me to realize that you know, not every day I'm going to get every single thing done, but as long as I get some things checked off the list, I'm further towards every single one of my goals.
1: I love that. And I think it's true, as long as you can do that organizational part and really maintain effort equally in different things. And I think you're such a great example of that. And it's so good to see. And everything kind Mm. of fits together too. It all fits towards this bigger mission, which I really, really love. And so what was it like getting a product-based business off of the ground?
0: Oh my God, it's been such an interesting journey. And I really honestly love the story because, you know, the company, all the products are organic and the story happened very organically. So a few years ago, I was like, hey, I've been rocking an A cup for like my whole entire life now. Like I would love if I had some sort of option to just make them like a little bit bigger and just see what that feels like, you know? So I researched my options and I found out that there are supplements and creams that claim to make your breasts bigger. But when I looked into the ingredients, I really wasn't comfortable. All of the products that I found had parabens in them and parabens have been linked to breast cancer. So I was like, why would I put something that's been linked to breast cancer on my breast. In no world does that make any sense to me. So I researched the active ingredients and in the supplements that people on Amazon, there's like thousands and thousands of reviews that say that this worked for this purpose. So bought them all, solar infused them in organic olive and almond oil And then I used it as an oil on my breasts. I did a breast massage every day for like two months. And over those two months, I grew two cup sizes. Wow. And I know when I went shopping for that bra in which I realized that I had grown two cup sizes, I exactly, I was like, wow, this actually works. And knowing myself, knowing I hadn't ever gotten there before, like not on birth control, anything, I've always just been a very tiny person. I was like, if this works for me, I have to let people know that this exists. So I did a DIY blog post on natural breast enhancement, and I got a lot of response from people saying, hey... I've made this. It also works. This is amazing. I can't believe this doesn't exist anywhere. If it did exist, if you made it into a product, I would so buy it from you. So I kept a list of all of those people's emails that I made them their own email list. And I reached out to them and said, like, how much would you buy it for? What kind of ingredients would you be comfortable with? Do you want it to be basically the same thing? Do you want it to be scented or unscented? And I asked a ton of marketing questions and they responded. And so I did the design and worked with a designer that I knew who had worked with a friend's skincare beauty brand and put pre-orders up for sale. Because keep in mind, like I don't have any money. I still don't have any money at this point. And I had watched and helped my good friends' companies make money by taking on investors and then... I had watched a lot of them flop and fail because they dug themselves into a lot of debt and I didn't want to start the company that way. Like in my mind, if people weren't buying it, I didn't have a company. If people bought it, great, I can start. So I put it up for pre-order and almost everyone that had emailed me about it the first time who is now on my email list bought it. And that's how I knew I had something. And then we got reviews and people said that it worked and they loved it and they recommended it to their friends. And we went from getting orders from those people to getting orders from all around the world. And we've just grown from there. And I think the awareness has grown. The awareness around breast implant illness has grown. The amount of women getting explants has grown. And so I never could have imagined a world two, three years ago when this started where this would be such a needed thing for women to need an alternative to this, whether it's they don't ever end up getting implants at all or they got sick from their implants, had to have them taken out and want an alternative to still feel like they can get to a size that they're comfortable with. There's so many reasons to use it. We have moms who love it and moms who recommend it to you know their daughters instead of surgery when they're in their 20s like it's just a wonderful alternative and i think that's a huge part of my global mission is to just give people alternatives to what they think are the only
1: solutions yeah and i think it's testament to to when you've got a product that really works people are going to mm-hmm. buy it people are going to talk about it people are going to tell their friends about it people are going to tell other people to buy it And I think that's one of the best things you can do in business. Word of mouth is still the strongest form of marketing. So if you build something that's good and you give people a good experience, then you're going to be successful and your business is going to grow. And so what kind of products have you developed since then? So, since then,
0: I created three face serums based on ingredients that I had written about in both of my books and skincare needs that I myself had dealt with. So, serums that I had invented once again for myself that I had just had, you know, in unlabeled little amber glass jars around the house for years that I finally said, you know, people or enough people reached out to me really asking you know, you used to have cystic, nodular, gnarly acne, and now your skin is really good. How did you do it? What ingredients did you use? And so those are all of the ingredients that I put in, for instance, our detox face oil that I helped, that I invented to help myself with my acne and my psoriasis. So I have the detox face oil for acne, psoriasis, and eczema. I have our cellular recovery oil. That's an anti-aging oil. And I have our glow brightening serum that is an oil for a duller skin, or if you have sunspots, things like that, it's really great for just bringing a little brightness to your complexion. And once again, the stuff I invented for myself that I was super, super happy with that I just kind of brought to market because people asked and people love them.
1: I love that. Well, thank you so much for just being such an incredible testament to being able to achieve everything you really can envisage, even when you feel like the odds are stacked against you. And can you share some, maybe three pieces of advice for anyone who's listening, who has a dream of maybe moving to a new country or state or wants to start their own business, but is in that that space of fear around it. Can you share some tips of how they could move through that?
0: Absolutely. So I honestly believe that fear points us in the right direction, right? I mean, other than life-threatening events, anything that we're fearful of is something that we really, really deeply, most of the time, desire to do when it comes to something we want to do in our life. So if we listen to what that fear is and where it's coming from, and we really address that, and we have a willingness to address that, that really can move us in the direction of our dreams. I also think that my second book, Wild Habits, the wild method in there is so important for anyone who's trying to take the next step in literally anything, overcoming any bad habit. So that's even including you know self-sabotage, things like that, that pop up for us all the time, especially when it comes to success and moving forward in the right direction. So WILD is an acronym And it stands for willingness. We have to have the willingness to recognize that something that we're doing may not be working. The I stands for intuition. We need to have the intuition to move forward, to recognize that what we're doing isn't working, but how we can work to be better the next time. The L stands for love. We have to have the self-love, love for ourselves, love and forgiveness for everyone around us to move forward. And then like you mentioned before, Natalie, we have to have the discipline, We have to have the discipline. The D stands for discipline. It's not sexy, but as you know, and I know, the only thing that all successful people have in common is that they're disciplined. They have focus and they're disciplined in what they're doing. And so if you are disciplined enough to be willing to ask yourself what's not working, have the intuition to figure out what your next step is and show yourself love to take that step every single day, you will live a life that you are super proud of.
1: I love that so much. And you're so right. It's really not about those talents or skills. It's about being willing to actually put the time and effort into making it happen. And the rest of that will just come. Yes. So thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. It's just been such an incredibly inspiring conversation. Where can everyone find out more about you and also about genetics?
0: Oh, they can go to geneticsorganic.com. They can follow me, Tara A. Mackey on Instagram and Genetics Organic on Instagram.
1: I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much
0: for having me.
1: If you love this episode, please subscribe and be sure to leave us a review. I want to hear what you enjoyed, what your main takeaways were. And also, I really want to know who you want to see appear on the show. We'll be reading all of the reviews, so we will be implementing your feedback. And speaking of reviews, um, we've got a little stumbling up our sleeves. So we've just created a brand new document. It's called the BossWave 25. So the BossWave 25 is the 25 essential resources you need for personal and professional growth seriously it's like a little boss babe holy grail it's incredible and you're gonna love it it covers everything from must-have products our favorite books rituals that we do daily and some amazing hacks to help you grow so if you want a copy it's really simple just leave us a review screenshot your review and email it to podcast at bossbabe.com. we'll send you over a copy asap and yeah thank you so much for listening i will see you next week